Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the third installment of the DWP Mind Control Series. This is Dangerous World's third episode, man. I'm excited about this one. Each one of these, in my opinion, is getting kind of cooler and cooler. Obviously, as you know, I'm basing this off of the book by Jim Keith, Mind Control, World Control. And I'm essentially just reading it from cover to cover. And I'm covering everything that I find important. Um, Mind control, as I have mentioned in the previous two episodes, is a very important topic. Um, Not only is it interesting, but it is being used on so many different levels right now, not only in the U.S., but around the world. Um, In this one, I bring on my buddy, Matt, who is an awesome dude to get involved with. I hope he's starting his show soon. We've talked about it a little bit. He's doing his thing, uh, but follow him on uh, social media, which I believe he is Matt T four, four, nine, nine. I'm just going to double check here. Yeah. Matt T four, four, nine, nine. Check him out for sure. And one thing I wanted to do uh, just because this uh, individual asked, I wanted to shout out our finest hour. So uh, follow them as well on uh, Instagram. I I think it's a dude. It looked like a dude, but you never know what people identify as. So our finest hour. What's up, buddy? I appreciate you supporting the show and uh, being the first person to actually just straight up ask for a shout out. I respect the boldness. And so I'm doing it here for you. All right, buddy. Thank you for your support. And thank you guys for your support, man. Um, in this episode, I'm going to cover with Matt um, Alan Dulles the first director of the CIA, uh, the OSS origins of the CIA. And believe it or not, there's a lot of Nazi ties there. Um, This is what I've, I mean, there's a a theme, especially after last episode, the Nazis have a serious, serious influence on modern day policies in the United States, especially Um, I should say the West as a whole, but really around the world too. I mean, we're seeing the same methods that were used in Nazi Germany, Potentially a dry run um, or a test in one way or another was going on. Um, Dry run, I feel like, is kind of uh, minimalizing what they were doing or minimizing, sorry, what they were doing um, during the Holocaust. Obviously, tragic, tragic events. I get deep down in conspiracy theories. I am not a Holocaust denier. Um, it, It was a it's a sad situation that's going on there. I touch on Paperclip a little bit, Operation Paperclip, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, but this shit gets very, very interesting towards the end. I kind of go into a few of these guys that we picked up, we being the United States government, um, who we picked up in the uh, Operation Paperclip draft, if you will. It seems like a sports draft. I mean, the Soviet Union got some, 
the United States got some. And um, it's very interesting. There's a major, major reference, and I'm actually going to end this episode reading a little bit directly out of the book from a letter that was written from an American uh, businessman is the way that it's presented here. But this fellow by the name Charles Elliott Perkins, who really kind of brought the attention to the powers that be in the United States here, that putting fluoride in water is a very effective way to change the mental and physical aspects of any human. Um, His direct quote is actually that if a human drinks fluoride uh, in water, the fluoride is deliberately added to the water for a year, just a year, they will never be the same person mentally or physically again. Okay. Um, I know I'm getting fluoride in my water, um, but it's also in your toothpaste. It's a lot of in a lot of products that you wouldn't think about. And it's not only a poison, but it really is uh, something that doesn't just calcify your pineal gland. According to Perkins, it makes people not want to resist. Um, It makes people want to give to submit to power, essentially. So very, very uh, interesting stuff. Hopefully something that you're going to enjoy. Matt's going to appear about halfway through the episode is what it's looking like. And um, we talk for about 45 minutes or so. And uh, I mean, he's always a fun dude to talk with. Very knowledgeable about IG Farben, who essentially kind of uh, created big pharma in the West here. Um, It was a German uh, big pharmacy conglomerate. But, uh, you know, Moderna is based off of this. Pfizer is based off of this. And they, uh, you know, our government here in the U.S. taps into these big pharma companies the exact same way that Hitler was tapping into IG Farben. They're also connected with the Bush family, the Harrimans. Um, I know you guys have probably heard of Brown Brothers Harriman, which is where Prescott Bush really got his uh, start on the global stage, really got in the good graces of the powers that be. And the board of these kinds of institutions are either bonesmen of Yale University or they are literally Nazis. Um, so, I mean, it's scary and it's sad um, that, that more people don't know about this and more people don't want to acknowledge it because of the distraction of Trump. Trump was was really put there for everyone to just point the finger at him and even people that were supporting him are saying that Trump was the bad guy. And I'm to be clear, I am not saying that he is not the bad guy. I, I you know, he's definitely falling fallen out of my uh, you know, favoritism or whatever you want to call. It. I'm not a fan of him anymore. Let's just keep it simple, okay? I don't need to spruce this up for you guys. You guys know me. My vocabulary is not that great. Um, but yeah, I'm just not a not a fan of him as much as I was. Um, I heard a very interesting interview today on the Dave Hodges podcast, a uh, common sense show which is a great show. Um, and he has changed his editing. I'm not saying he listens to my show at all. Uh, I would not expect him to, but his editing has, he's gotten louder. The, the, uh, you know, he's maybe he's using that amplify function for his stuff, but I'm not going to bore you with this shit. I am going to bore you with a little bit of housekeeping though, just cause that's what I got to do to keep this thing going. But more than me keeping this show going, this is not just blowing smoke up the skirts and pants of the patreon subscribers but they really are the ones that make this show happen i'm eternally grateful for you guys i very very much appreciate it whether you're giving three five or ten dollars on patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast you're very very much helping me out i'm so close to 100 guys i really want to get 100 by the end of this year i think it's more than possible um i think it should happen within a couple months here and um 
you know, I really do appreciate you. And I, especially with these uh, mind control series episodes, that best shit comes at the end of these, uh, at the end of these episodes. So that last 30 minutes to an hour or so you get just by that $3 contribution to my show, dangerous world podcast on Patreon, you get the full episodes, you get your own private RSS link, which I can walk you through. If you just DM me or you message me on Patreon, you get your full episodes and you get to watch them the exact same way that you are listening to me now. I mean, you don't have to go to Patreon other than one time just to set your shit up. Um, so thank you guys very much that subscribe already. Got some day one ride or dies that have been on there forever and uh, haven't had hardly anyone quit, man. So very, very appreciative of that. And I think that that does speak to some of the work that goes into that. Uh, you also get the archives, the older episodes of the show and uh, some rants. You get a weekly rant from myself which is fun. I just kind of have fun. I, I talk shit and I joke around. So um, that's under the $5 tier though, but $3 gets you the most uh, value really. Um, but I do appreciate what you guys are doing uh, over there. So thank you very much. Patreon subscribers. Uh, DangerousWorldStore.com is the place to go for your t-shirts. If you want a nice t-shirt that'll let people know how cool you are for less than $20. Those are $17.76. Okay, um, free shipping in the United States and very, very, very cheap shipping rates across the world. Um, platforms ran by Shopify, so it's not just some shady shit. I actually, uh, you know, it's there's receipts there. So if you don't get your product or if there's something wrong, you can always go through Shopify. It's very easy. They make it. Uh, they're very user friendly uh, there at Shopify. So, um, again, that's DangerousWorldStore.com. Appreciate you guys supporting the show in that way as well. And Manscaped, I'm not going to spend too much time on, man. They haven't gotten back to me. Again, I haven't reached out to them. But if you want to get something great from Manscaped, a lawnmower, the weed whacker, enter the promo code DANGER at Manscaped.com, and you'll get 20% off. All right? That's great. Free shipping as well. Um, Really, really great company. Just getting frustrated. I haven't heard back from you yet, Manscaped. Okay? So if you're listening, you know, usually I'll spend a few minutes on you guys, but you're effing me right now. Okay? You're effing me. And I don't know if I can cuss. So I'm just saying you're effing me, even though I've cussed plenty of times while I'm doing your ad reads. Um, maybe even see if the code works. I, 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 as far as I know, it does. I ordered something yesterday. Uh, I got some soap uh, from a sack from uh, from Manscaped. So again, danger is your promo code in all caps. 20% off free shipping. Good, good stuff over there. And I am uh, forever grateful for them uh, for just supporting podcasts uh, all around. So thank you, guys. With that being said, let's get into it, man. Um, you know... As I mentioned, Alan Dulles and the CIA and the early starts to these mind control programs on a level that we can recognize is really what we're getting into here today. And I find it really interesting that the FBI and the CIA just absolutely hate each other. I mean, they fucking hate each other. And you'd think that they would want to work together for the betterment of the United States and its citizens, right? I mean, that might be a radical thought, but it just makes sense. Um it seems like juvenile shit to not just be like, hey, I know that we're kind of stepping on each other's stepping on each other's toes to see who can fuck the United States citizens harder. Uh, but let's just both fuck them equally hard and let's, you know, work together. You know what I mean? But they don't do that. And the division in the CIA that is 100 percent dedicated to movies, to Hollywood, is very, very prolific when it comes to this mind control stuff. Um, I found it really interesting, according to John Kuriako, 
who spent some time in prison for essentially being what the CIA would deem as a rat, um, you know, kind of exposing the torture programs under the Bush administration, things like this. Um, he claims this. He claims there is a division that is 100% dedicated to Hollywood. And I believe that. I don't think that that's a stretch at all. Um, but the example he cited was very interesting. He was talking about how uh, one day in his office, he looked up in the hall and just happened to see Ben Affleck walking through. Uh, and a couple years later, Argo pops out, you know, the movie Argo, where a very, very CIA tied in movie and uh, obviously backed by Hollywood. Um, there, it's a clear, clear connection there. Not, not a surprise by any stretch, but another thing too, is that the CIA loves inexperienced presidents. And I found that interesting. This is all coming from John Curiaco, by the way, this is not anything from this book. Um, but John Curiaco, uh, talks about like why, you know, like people like John Brennan get so tied in with presidents like Barack Obama. Um, and, and, you know, that's just the one that really comes uh, to mind here is a is a CIA director president connection. There's been others. I mean, Reagan and Bush, um, you know, very I mean, Bush senior was the CIA's president right there. Um, luckily, he only had four years, but that was enough time to really get shit popping off and um, really kind of like tilt the scale in the favor of the CIA. But as I was saying, they love an inexperienced president. When Barack Obama gets in, they tap into people like John Brennan, who was very, very pro-torture. He was very, very happy about the torture program. And you can't be a liberal and love the torture program. So this kind of delayed Brennan's uh, rise through the CIA rankings. And uh, there's the rumor that he is a secret Muslim or uh, he converted to Islam or whatever. I haven't found anything credible about that. John Curiaco actually says he's a devout Catholic, which I mean, Catholicism is one of the worst uh, religions at the top. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking shit about any of you Catholic listeners, unless the CIA is listening, then this is directed at you. Um, But I do want to live and I'm not suicidal. So just hear me out here. There's a fuss about Brennan being a, um, Islamic extremist uh, because he didn't swear on the Bible when he was brought into the CIA. Instead, he used the Constitution. Um, no real credible proof that he is a um, Islamic extremist at all, uh, other than the fact that, you know, he's really, really behind Obama. Obama was a Muslim sympathizer for sure. He was allegedly, again, part of the Muslim Brotherhood. I don't know if I believe that, but at the same time, I mean, Obama's a slimy figure. Um, I wouldn't trust either one of those guys as far as I could throw him. So uh, let that sink in, do with that information what you will. Just very interesting that they love these inexperienced uh, presidents, they'll give them information like, you know, uh, blue border information, which is six levels above top secret or black border, which is the highest level of secrecy available. I mean, shit that you can't even contemplate um, is what black border essentially is. And when you get a president that's inexperienced and you start showing them this incredibly interesting, sexy information, you're going to get them in your pocket quickly, right? So this is kind of what they did. And and um, it seems like Trump was not so infatuated with the CIA. He actually wanted to break them up, similar to Kennedy. And this is what we're told, right? Now, who knows what Trump's true agenda was? Um, all I know is that uh, this is the main theory of why JFK was truly killed um, was because of uh, his, his disdain for 
the CIA, uh, the Federal Reserve, institutions like this that kind of bring that one world government closer. And during the Bush-Obama years, when counterterrorism was the most high out there, um, now it's more domestic terrorism is what they're concerned about, falsely in my opinion. But uh, when when counterterrorism from abroad was the highest priority for uh, you know those 16 years, uh, the CIA helped pass bills that gave every single quote unquote threat some serious credence. I mean, they would take like you get some madman coming into a freaking agency across the ocean uh, in Europe or in, in the Middle East. Someone walks in and they say, hey, uh, I'm going to bomb whatever uh, in the United States tomorrow. And it's like, wow, you know, you came in here and you announced it. They gave that threat just as much credence as they would um, someone talking about it covertly, uh, trying to hide it. Uh, You know, and the NSA just happens upon it. There's no point to that. And that is wasting a lot of resources. But this was also to keep fear at the highest levels. This is an aspect of mind control to constantly, constantly keep people in fear. Remember that color system that they were using? that everyone was scared of Al-Qaeda and these colors. They, they actually managed to make colors scary for people, right? Everyone was afraid of Al-Qaeda, even though they probably couldn't even name any kind of characteristics of Al-Qaeda other than they just hate Americans, right? As a kid, I flew you know, a handful of times, and I was afraid of, of uh, individuals that would pop on planes dressed as you know Osama bin Laden was, right? And I'm not a bigot for that. I was a kid. I was falling in line as a child as a teenager falling in line with what the mainstream media was perpetuating they were saying hey be afraid of these guys they want to kill you but if you get scared of them the terrorists win it's like well shit i'm fucking 14 the terrorists are winning in my mind they're fucking showing up on planes you know what i mean and and they're scaring me you know it it sucks it sucks that they are they they have this down to a level but i don't expect a muslim man to not dress the way that he normally would just because he may be stigmatized on an airplane in the United States. Um, today, I would not feel that same way. But as a child, I was very, very terrified of these kinds of, of uh, coincidences. I actually found a very interesting thing. I walked into a bathroom at an airport and there was a Muslim man washing his feet uh, in a full turban, uh, you know, deck to the nines. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And in the time from when I saw the man washing his feet to when I got on the airplane, I learned that some Muslims will wash their feet before they meet Allah, right? I literally was having a panic attack the whole flight on this plane, and my eyes were on this dude. You know what I mean? And it's it's a, it's shameful to, to think like that now, right? Um, but this is that fear porn that the media was always, always pushing. And um, then they turn around, they call you a racist for thinking this way when it's such a clear way to think when they're pushing that message. That's that confusion. That is that, well, shit, should I worry about this guy or am I wrong to worry about him? I don't know what to do. I want someone to give me answers. The government's always there to give you answers, baby. You know what I mean? And that is the problem. That is one of the many problems of, of the narratives that they would push there. So I digress here uh, with that whole thing. But my another problem that I had when I was listening to John Curiaco talk, these agents, um, good and bad assets of the CIA, why are they so keen on perpetuating the goal of the CIA, right? Um, they don't get paid an obscene amount of money. They're not making six figures here. 
Um, sometimes they are sure, but no, I mean, the average agent, I feel like makes a modest, uh, living. Um, they probably feel cool about what they're doing and they may, that may be something they may, they may be useful idiots. They may be part of a system that they don't understand. And, um, it gives them some sort of sense of power to be part of that. But, you know, they're, they're pushing this agenda through and, really doing harm to the country they're not doing much for themselves but it may be like a part of like yeah they want to move up and blah 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 uh but i'm just like why fight that fight you know they can quit or get fired or locked up for a little bit and then write a book and make a ton of fucking money like john kuyako did um so it's just a weird deal again why fight that fight why why stick around if you don't agree with it um i've heard the rumors like once in the cia always in the cia i've heard a lot of stories to the contrary but uh it's just it's it's interesting so let's get into the mind control type stuff and how this whole cia situation started right um one oh oh you know what before i get into that actually speaking of the cia perpetuating um bad theories and and allowing room for these theories to blossom why would they bury osama bin laden in the ocean Right. I mean, this is a very, very conspiracy riddled thing. Why not prove that you did what you did? They sent that one bad picture, but people debunked that picture the same day it came out. They want this kind of stuff. The CIA loves conspiracy theories. They love people like me. They love especially love people like Alex Jones. Um, They love they love all of us out here talking about this kind of shit. But there's very very significant amounts of truth in all of the shit that we are all saying and i feel like it's important um the worst thing that we can do is be quiet about this kind of stuff so that's one thing that i did want to throw out before i really crack into the oss and its predecessor even which i bet you didn't even know that matt and i get into that a little bit but um just just a a fun little deal here um another thing too you know is uh that I was actually listening to today, I was thinking like a lot of serial killers would have to be part of some sort of group. Right. But if they get caught, they just kind of get thrown under the bus and the group remains hidden. The group that either brainwashed them, uh, indoctrinated them in some way, uh, abused them. And, you know, according to this guy, Dave McGowan, uh, he wrote a book called program to kill. This is his same idea, Right. Um, the CIA just needs these kinds of people around. They they start the cult leaders. Uh, Jim Jones of Jonestown was uh, very, very connected to the CIA. Everyone knows Charles Manson was as well. They need these groups um, because they can research them. They can take these little microcosms of society and study them rigorously and implement those on a larger scale. This is what Tavistock was kind of doing, right? Um so anyway, without further ado, I really want to kick into this stuff. So General William Wild Bill Donovan, okay, under Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1940, convinced this president that a new form of warfare was starting. And it was the wave of the future. You know, regular warfare as they knew it was done with. And the U.S. and Britain were way, way behind the curve when it came to psychological warfare is the term that donovan coined for this type of war and it was accurate i mean it's very very much what it was and that psychological warfare which he explained the u.s wasn't even capable of defending against this type of shit at all i mean they would be screwed if china which china was not even being talked about back then 
But China was very much practicing this. This is when they like they had kids in the United States, especially to infiltrate on all levels, education, uh, government everywhere. Uh, but, you know, the main concern was the Soviet Union, which I mean, as uh, you know, in the year 2021, we see that is a major distraction. Right. Uh, so anyway. Enter the original CIA, which, again, it's not the OSS, the uh, Office of Strategic Service. It was it was the Office of Coordinator Information. It took the idea that the secret vote or what we call today as black ops, essentially from Britain. OK, so Britain was ahead of the United States. But as Donovan explained to Roosevelt, we weren't even doing this at all at this time. So, you know, we needed to really catch up. And they did. I mean, the United States absolutely did, as we know today. But in 1942, Donovan also convinced the Joint Chiefs of Staff, when the program became the OSS, to run all operations through the Joint Psychological Warfare Committee, which had the final say of all of its operations. Okay, so you're running this through the Joint Chiefs of Staff under the OSS, just to be 100% clear here, okay? Now, that does change. That's why I doubled down on that statement. The OSS was in operation for only three years, but it effectively turned psychological warfare into essentially a weapon against civilians and military in the U.S. and abroad. Um, Now, it sounds like a given that they would do this to civilians over abroad, even though it's a little shady. But turning those things on to United States citizens and civilians, that's just fucked up, right? Um, But in their eyes, it's not at all. This is necessary um, to keep a controlled public, a controlled population, and make things easier uh, to pass, whether it be a law, um, a narrative, whatever the case may be. Excuse me, I've got to take a sip of my drink here. I don't have a co-host this evening, so I might have pissed my co-host off last time. I was a little annoyed. We were recording that late, but um, lots of uh, very, very interesting information with this with this ship. So the Nazi named General Reinhard Galen. This is a fascinating story. Okay, this is an incredible, incredible story regarding the development of the CIA. So there's this Nazi. Okay, his name is Reinhard Galen. He's in charge of the Third Reich intelligence in the Soviet Union. And he played a major role in the conversion of the OSS turning into the CIA. Okay. Now, what he did was he burned, buried, and hid 50 plus crates. I'm thinking milk crates. They didn't really specify in the book here, but 50 plus, let's just say milk crates worth of documents in what's known as the Misery Meadow of Bavaria. It's a mountainous region called Misery Meadow in Bavaria but withheld most of the most, most top secret shit. So that black border type stuff that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that's the kind of stuff he held. Stuff that was unthinkable, probably anti-gravity type technology, other things that no one really knew. So what uh, Galen proceeds to do is turn himself in after he destroyed the you know bottom 99% of his documents. Turns himself in, to the U.S. government, and he says, I have important information that you need to know, but you may want to arrest me, right? But to avoid arrest, I've got all this stuff. They blew him off, but they put him in a prison camp, okay? He was only in there for a month until supposedly a guard reported. Now, I have other ideas here I won't get into, but I just, I I don't think that a guard just overheard and was like, wow, this guy's talking some some crazy shit. I want to, you know, report him to my superiors that i respect so much it's just kind of too fairy tale for me um i think this was all planned but he spent some time in a prison 
uh, gets out and he was talking about this shit, ends up flying to the U.S. in a military transport plane alongside unknowing U.S. troops. And the way he was able to do this was he was dressed in a U.S. Army uniform. So you've got all kinds of troops that were just spending their you know, war career killing Nazis. And one of the top Nazis, this Reinhard Galen, is flying right alongside him. They don't know what he looks like. He's wearing their uniform. He's probably got a decent American accent. And he's flying back on this plane, right? Ends up landing in Fort Hunt, which is like right right next to D.C. Goes in and he uh, presents this information to top officials of the government. One of these people is the very well-connected Alan Dulles, who Matt and I get into quite a bit here. Alan Dulles, again, was the first director of the CIA. Alan Dulles is present during this meeting when Reinhard Galen is talking about the top secret Nazi documents that he wants to hand over to the U.S. government in exchange for a deal, right? He doesn't want to spend a day in jail. He doesn't want to get executed like the other, you know, lower down Nazis. He wants special treatment because he's getting this incredible information. Now, Galen's top secret information was given to the OSS, and this absolutely 100% helped spawn the CIA. And not only that, but Alan Dulles was the obvious choice for the first director ever of the CIA because he was present. He had this, Alan Dulles essentially had this information as collateral that, you know, if the U.S. would have picked anyone else, to um to head the cia alan dulles could come forward with this information right not only that but alan dulles and the dulles family who you know very well connected uh he funded galen's organization to the tune of 200 million dollars back then in world war ii that is a shit ton of money and when i say world war ii we're talking about the years after so you know i believe 47 is when the cia starts um So it was before that, you know, between 45 and 47. So, you know, 46, we'll say. Why do agencies like this change their names, though? Why did the OSS come from the coordinator information to, uh, you know, the CIA later? And in my opinion, it's to kind of hide shit that they did, criminal actions that they took. I mean, you got the DOD coming from the Department of War. You've got the FBI originally being named the uh, Special Agent Force under attorney general bonaparte i believe in 1908 and uh like i said i think it's because they commit heinous acts and they need to change their names and they think that changing their names will absolve them of all of their wrongdoings it's kind of similar to how some elite families do this the only one that comes to mind is the bauer family changing their name to the rothschilds and they took that name it's a more esoteric meaning of a name uh very occult uh red shield all that good stuff um, but yeah, the Bowers were doing unthinkable things and they had to change their name to Rothschild and then they became the banking masters of the fucking world. So it's the same concept for these organizations, whether it be government or private sector. Uh, IG Farben is absolutely one. Uh, Matt and I tend to disagree on that a little bit. He thinks it's more of a, uh, he thinks, and, and, and I'm not trying to speak for him here. You'll hear what he says, but uh, he was talking about how Moderna, Pfizer and all these big corporations are just based on IG Farben. And I agree with that, but I actually think that a lot of the funding and a lot of the, um, uh, you know, board members kind of moved from the German IG Farben over to American big pharma. That's, that's my opinion. 
Um, I don't have any proof of that, but I think that that's absolutely what went down. And I think that there are serious, like actual linear connections from Moderna to IG Farben, specifically uh, Moderna there. So anyway, early in World War II, a master of hypnosis by the name Dr. George Estabrooks goes to the the, uh, Department of War and convinces them that the hypnosis is critical in this time, in this new type of war that Donovan was advocating. Hypnosis is going to be crucial, and it's going to play a major role in psychological operations in the beginning. And he did shady shit, right? He did very, very shady stuff to get this into action. He destroyed his journal, though. This Estabrooks dude who is really working to to push for the hypnosis, he destroys his journal, um, all of the entries between 1940 to 1945. Or did the OSS do it? That's the thing. That's the thing when you're talking about these top secret individuals. Why would you want to destroy your shit? I guess this is why I'm not at that level. I think the, the, the OSS would do it. I would feel like he would kind of want to keep these. Or maybe that's just a story to kind of get, get us off their, their tail here. Um, but anyway, the, the, you know, years between 1940 and 1945 from Estabrooks were destroyed, all of his entries and um, a lot of his information. He was a major player in hypnosis. And he revealed in 1968 in an interview that to create an effective assassin or spy, multiple personalities had to be achieved. And he said, uh, in any individual, this can be happening. Okay. You can, you can create any kind of person. This is child's play for him or people that are his peers, people on his level in the hypnosis game. Okay. He also floated the idea that Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby. Now those, you don't know, Jack Ruby was the guy that shot Oswald in front of a crowd of people and on TV, uh, essentially for killing JFK supposedly was the theory. And, you know, conspiracy theorists say that Jack Ruby was paid by the mob so that, he would kill Oswald so that, you know, he didn't talk. He didn't say like, cause he was, Oswald was already kind of singing. He was saying like, dude, I, I fucking did not do this. This is impossible. If you actually watch the, the, the film, I wasn't even where, you know, the shot was coming from blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I a hundred percent don't, don't really believe that. Uh, but you know, again, this guy is kind of perpetuating the theory of the time where Oswald killed Kennedy um, so this this may be just disinformation, sort of controlled opposition type shit. So one of the most interesting undertakings that we know of of the OSS was the development of a truth drug. This is not the truth serum. This is what they call the truth drug, which, you know, someone that I mentioned in the previous episode, Winfrey Overholzer, he oversaw this as a Freemason representative. They were running the project in conjunction with the OSS. Freemason funding, OSS was the uh, authoritative figure there. And I mentioned him several times, but, uh, you know, it, it is very important that he kind of was like a key, key Freemason. Um, one of the VPs of Congress on mental health, but he was also the chief psychologist at St. Elizabeth Hospital in D.C. So think about that for a minute. He's the chief psychologist in a very prestigious hospital in the nation's capital, Freemason running alongside a truth drug serum project that uh, the OSS was really, uh, uh, you know, kind of conducting. So, I mean, just spider web of corruption right there. Uh, again, that's Winfrey Overholzer. Now, they used all kinds of drugs. 
the uh, overholster and the OSS. Um, all kinds of combinations, barbiturates, um, you know, psychoactive type shit, all kinds of crazy different types of drugs. And ironically, they settle on the simplest. They settle on a combination of weed and tobacco. And the extract that they created from this was called TD. And the effects were noted in an OSS report stating that TD relaxes inhibitions and deadens the areas of the brain that govern caution. It manifests any strong characteristics of the subject and something hilarious, in my opinion, that they actually say here is that the, the in this document, actually, they say that TD will make the most mundane situation wildly funny to the subject. Okay, now, like I, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking that scene in Pineapple Express and, uh, you know, they're underground smoking weed and they're testing out item nine. And, uh, you know, the guy's like, your dick, my mouth. You know, it, it it just the way that art imitates like real shit. They say art imitates life or whatever, but I think art imitates government programs, uh, especially shit like that. Um, but, yeah, man, just so funny that, you know, that shit is it's uh, it's more real than you think, man. It's kind of funny. But overholsters subjects infiltrated the Manhattan Project as well. OK, so upon other top secret undertakings, they're doing all kinds of different things on behalf of the OSS. And they're, the, the Freemasons are at a crossroads with them. They interact constantly, uh, feeding information back and forth and blah, blah, blah. So in 1944, after the plans to end the war with the atom bomb were in place. OK, so FDR was president when the atom bomb was being created. FDR actually told Donovan to create a plan for the OSS to convert into a similar but different organization. And on 9-20-1945, September 20th, 1945, the OSS was terminated and the CIA no longer reported to the Joint Chiefs of Staff as it had been, but instead directly to the president. And Donovan, who was not down for this, he wasn't keen on participation in traditional organizations. He was cut out. And Q. Allen Dulles, the Nazi sympathizer that was very, very much willing to play ball. He had no problem playing ball. With that being said, guys, I want to get to my conversation with Matt. And if you stick around till the end, especially if you're a Patreon subscriber, you will hear the rest of the information that I have after Matt and I are done talking about IG Farvin, Allen Dulles, some more of the um, you know fundamental creation aspects of the CIA fun fun conversation with him it's a little bit longer um but but packed with fun fun stuff guys so enjoy my conversation with matt t4499 ladies and gentlemen i brought on my good buddy matt here from the disney episode i always like introducing you that way man because that was a fun one dude a lot of people seem to respond positively to that one but you're not only knowledgeable with Disney, you've been really working on not only your own podcast, right? But you're working on a lot of other things as far as kind of spreading that knowledge around with secret societies, with the Nazi connections and all of them. Um, and from what I understand, you've been looking into mind control a little bit, too. And you sent me some pretty interesting stuff on IG Farben, which has a serious Nazi connection. And we're going to talk a little bit about Alan Dulles, the creation of the CIA um you know it's oss origins and all that good stuff so how are you doing buddy good man how are you doing good dude i just did an episode with a canadian dude that just kind of does like a random funny kind of goofy podcast where he's all over the place and so i'm coming back to my serious shit here 
And it's like, what am I doing here, dude? I had to get a, a solid, solid co-host to do this portion of the show. Uh, so I figured who better than Matt? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, dude, you know, yeah. honestly, man, you get some you get some good information, man. Like you you find a cool way to make these things uh, very interesting. And what you sent me on IG Farben was fun. And I mean, I shouldn't say fun, dude. It's so weird. Like, you know, because this stuff excites me. And so it's like easy to get excited about some of this stuff um but at the same time it's like it's literally it's our demise as humans right so we need to be aware of this stuff and i want to get into the farben stuff but i also want to really start with the cia and its creation um you know obviously it started uh not as the c as the uh, oss but it was the coa did you know that or coi yeah, that was the origin origin of it. And then it went to the OSS and then the CIA. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And it's weird because no one mentions the COI and it was only around for a short amount of time. But the OSS was sort of the way that they were running things before the war ended. And it seems to me like the CIA was created almost essentially just to get a plan together to sort of support the Nazis and to help them relocate. That's just my opinion. Alan Dulles was very well connected with all these people. Um, but where do you want to start with Alan Dulles, dude? Cause this dude is a globalist, globalist piece of shit. You know what I mean? Oh, he's yeah. He's up there with like Henry Kissinger, you know, he's yeah. one of those guys that's just, he's the, one of the d- big demons of everything. So you, you look at him and you know, the thing with Dulles is he's tied to a lot of stuff, right? And the CIA is the big thing. And if you get into it, one of the things that you notice is he played a lot with the Nazis. And and just like you, what you said was the CIA was eventually the resting place or the spot to hide the Nazi intelligence that they brought over in, you know, Operation Paperclip. And, uh, you know, in that, brings you down a whole dark road of what you've been talking about mind control, right? And you get into, into the MK ultras and the mockingbird programs out of there. But Dulles is that guy. He, and he had a lot of ties to uh, George Bush senior as well. So anytime you're in his company, you know, you're playing in dirty waters. Dude. I know the Bushes are, are scumbags, man. And, and it's interesting what the CIA did versus the OSS. It seemed like they were really testing the methods of a, militaristic environment sort of transitioning to a civil like a civilian environment right so they're testing this stuff out on the military and then they bring their methods over and psychological warfare was the main operate or the main aspect i should say of how the cia wanted to operate it wasn't so much about kinetic stuff um you know hand-to-hand combat none of that stuff it's all about spying and it's all about um you know kind of kind of seeming like you're doing what's right whether it's for your enemy or whether it's for your friends. And Alan Dulles was good at getting all of this stuff kind of put together, not only him, but his brother, John Foster, right? Who they've got a globalist uncle, Robert Lansing, um, who really kind of started getting them connected before World War I into all of this stuff. And it's just an interesting development how all of these people seem to be connected. If it's not the Freemasons, it's some other organization that, you know, is right on par with that agenda. And they all want one thing, and that's more control, less freedom for the people that put them in power. Obviously, Alan Dulles isn't someone that we voted in or that our ancestors voted in. But 
they have absolutely like they're they're at the highest levels of government here, dude. Yep, and 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 it's funny with Dulles. I mean, I, I, it, when you introduced me as the Disney guy, you know, <laughs> he goes back to Disney, right? And and he's tied in Does with he? the CIA. He's tied in with the Nazis. He's tied in with von Braun, right? And NASA. So, he, you know, he's one of those players that. Like you said, with a lot of these guys and, and, and I, before when you said, you know, this, I get excited doing this. Well, yeah, it's kind of like a treasure hunt, right? As you unlock the layers, the picture starts to become clearer for us, right? And you start seeing, oh, this is why they did that. This is why they would set up, you know, uh, the CIA for mind control. And then what was the next step? And then you start seeing it and the steps. And as you start, uh, it's like an onion. As you start peeling back the layers of the onion, you get there and eventually you're going to find the core. And what is the whole purpose of this? And you got into it. It's power. It's control. It's money. Well, and dude, what's scary is that it, it really does tie back to the Nazis, man. There's no two ways about it. The Nazis, in my opinion, were a test ground. And they wanted to run the the sort of like accelerated version of their plan, almost like in a video game. I don't know if you played that pandemic video game. It was an old app on the phones where you can create a virus and try and spread it around in the world. But it was an accelerated. You know, any video game you play is accelerated. And these strategic games like that, it seems like that's exactly what that was. And I don't know if you heard about the doctor that you know when hitler got got sick or i should say when he went blind in world war one um he suffered from hysterical blindness after he got gassed fighting in the trenches and he goes back and the world renowned uh like the authority in hypnotism is his doctor and so the theory there dude is that the guy hitler is part of mind control. He's one of the first victims of mk ultra and he goes on to be one of the most evil human beings of all time I don't doubt that one bit. And and who funded the Nazis, right? The Bushes. That's what it, comes, <laughs> it comes back to it was the Vatican, right? The Jesuits. It was the 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 bankers, right? The Rothschilds. So you you go through it. it. It wouldn't surprise me that Hitler is really like the first MK Ultra, so to speak. But at the same time, I I feel like this has gone on for forever. Right. It's this this cyclical plan that they have. They put someone into power, they prop them up and then they get them to a certain point and then they clip them. Right. They don't want them to get too powerful and be all like they did the same thing with Napoleon. If you if you look at the comparisons between Hitler and Napoleon and their rise and and their eventual downfall, it's very similar. Um, Nostradamus talks about both of them being two of the Antichrist, too. You know what I mean? Um, You got Napoleon who's doing the same kind of stuff that Hitler's doing. And to my point of of hitler being part of this you know whole thing when we talk about the funding who funded him you know um the the um, uh, brown brothers harriman and then all these other organizations that we see like some of our political heroes for some people right whether you're republican or democrat there's people on both sides doing this stuff and they're funding one of the the entities that we literally put right alongside like the devil, you know what I mean? Whether you believe in that or not, or whatever your equivalent would be, we, we widely would call the Nazis evil. Some of the most evil, evil undertakings ever known to man were under the Nazi regime. Um, but yeah, so with Alan Dulles and his brother, John Foster Dulles, like I mentioned, they rose up through like the government rankings after being brought to the State Department by their uncle, Robert Lansing. This is before World War I, though. So Lansing, who was a complete sociopath, is what it seems. I mean, this dude is an American, from what I understand. 
but he was so pro Britain that he actually learned how to pull off a, a perfect British accent. He had like a speech <laughs> coach that taught him how to sound British. I mean, how fucking crazy. And when, when you're going through a time where your country is seeing some serious shit go down, um, we're talking like the world wars. I mean, you know, it's crazy, crazy stuff. This guy's not loyal to the U S he's trying to emulate England who, you know, I don't know if, if, I think that this is my patriotism maybe getting the better of me, but like, why are we trying to be like England when we can be like America? You know what I mean? It's just a weird deal for me. So jump in anytime you want here, dude. Cause I'm just going to go through my, my stuff because I, you know, a lot of my stuff's based off this book, this mind control world control. I absolutely, I cannot stress how much I recommend anyone get this book if they're interested in this stuff. But, um, England was that center of a one world government. If you listen to that first episode that I did, it's clear that they wanted one world government and England, the, the queen or the monarchy was going to be the head of that. And uh, Cecil Rhodes was talking about how like, damn, if, if we just didn't lose that revolutionary war, world peace would have been achieved. Right. And what do we know about world peace? It's, it's impossible, dude. The, the way that they're going to achieve world peace is by killing the people that they don't agree with. And um, I mean, d- disagreements healthy. This is how we, we, this is how we actually end up with Hitler's in the world. If no one disagrees with Hitler, if they're not allowed to disagree right now, we're seeing that in the United States. Wouldn't you agree? Like we're seeing that we cannot disagree with the status quo with the government at all. Yeah. As soon as you try and step up or, or, you know, have any opinion that is contrary to the narrative, you're shot down, you know, shamed or, you know, deplatformed in, in today's instance. Right. Mm hmm. With the censorship and social media and all that good stuff, I mean, it's it's on another level with the with the ability that they have to surveil the 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 population. Um, but Lansing, who was you know the uncle of uh, of the Dulles brothers, was very close with a man by the name Alex Gantz. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this guy, but um, I mean, it's just a weird deal. Who this guy is very very much the one that got Dulles into that line of work, that line of spy work. Um, Alex Scott was a, 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 like a worldly, you know, kind of like, like an Epstein or like a Maxwell, someone that's traveling the world, very, very wealthy. Um, if you don't know what they're up to behind the scenes, they look like they live the perfect life, right? They get to travel, they get to do all kinds of cool shit. Um, it reminds me of Archer, dude, that show Archer, where like, you yes, know, like they- That's what I, I was just going to bring that up. That's exactly what it reminds me of. And, and, and what is Archer? A character, right? That's what I feel like some of these people are. They're just repeats of characters from an earlier age. And, and they're not creative, dude. They have to recycle these things. You know what I mean? That's, so Yeah, and that's what we got into in the Jesuit episode, right? Was one of the things is they have these plans and sometimes they succeed and sometimes they fail. But what they'll do is they will rerun the plan until they get the desired result. And it may take 10 years. It may take 100 years. It may take 200 years, right? And, but they're willing to play the game. And, and if you don't know that you're in it with them, <laughs> you know, it makes it tough to play against them or fight against them. Exactly. And, and there's a lot of effort that goes into making it so that you don't know what they're doing. You know, history, dude, I didn't learn any of the stuff that I'm learning in this book that I'm reading. I didn't learn one damn thing in my government class. You know, we learned about the Nazis, but what did they tell us? The thesis of it was Hitler was bad. He was funded by bad people, right? Those bad people were in the White House years later. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and also, company. what's that? 
you know, Ford Motor Company was one of the biggest sponsors of the Nazis. The Rockefellers who are, you know, glamorized in, in all well, kinds of... Well, and it's funny you mentioned that. Why wouldn't we learn this stuff? Who runs the education program? Rockefellers, right? Yeah, and we'll get into yeah. this also when we, we, we talk with the science aspect of it. They control the science. They control education. And, and that's their plan that they set up to get this next stage of things going forward, which... Man, anytime I hear Rockefeller now, my skin crawls. Right, dude. And it's crazy because, like, uh, I always heard, like, Rockefeller from Jay-Z. I grew up listening to hip-hop, dude. Like, it, I, I know that it's not – I'm kind of embarrassed, and it's kind of cringy looking back. And I'm like, dude, I like the worst music, dude. And, like, just the messages they were promoting and the division that they the were rock? saying. What's that? Did you throw up the rock? Yeah. No, I did not. I did not. <laughs> now you look at that. What was that? It was a pyramid, right? It's the triangle. And they usually either threw it over an eye or right over their heart. It's like, oh, man, everything was symbols. It's crazy. And no one teaches it. I, I'm not blaming like my parents generation, dude, but um, they were some of the most sleep. And, and my parents are great, dude. I love my father, my mother. Um, but they did not pay attention to what was it's going the boomers. on. Boomers, yes. boomers. They were, you know, they they bought all of this. They and they were the first ones to go through the programming, right through the conditioning. They so, you know, they went. They saw the rise of the country, and they kind of were like, okay, well, if I get all this good stuff, we can overlook the bad stuff. And now we've gotten to a point where the bad stuff is so blatant and in your face, you can't ignore it. And, yep. and that's what yep. happens when you ignore it for a certain amount of time. It festers, it grows, it grows, and then eventually it's going to explode on you. Yeah, dude, I've mentioned this so many times, but the great generation, the ones that fought in World War II, they really, I, I would disagree with you just a bit that, that the boomers were the first generation to go through the propaganda. I would say it was the great generation. That's just my opinion. But I do think that they worked to try to fight it so hard and they created good lives for the boomers. And then the boomers were so comfortable that they slacked off so much. You know what I mean? And yeah, they were absolutely part of the propaganda and they ate it up. When you got money coming back from like working your ass off and you're like, what are we going to do? We're going to move into like a house where we can touch our neighbor's house outside of our window. You know what I mean? And now (laughs) today, like I'm thinking like, dude, I, I live in a tiny, tiny house, but it's on an acre. You know what I mean? Like I would rather have a little bit of space. Uh, my house is a piece of shit. I'm not going to lie to you at all. But um, it's uh, I've got some land, you know, I've got some space. I can do what I want out here. Um, I don't utilize the land like I should. But the, there was some serious propaganda going on with those folks back then. But um, I, I want to jump back to the uh, the uh, Dulles Brothers real quick. So the the Dulles Brothers, they're obviously, like I'm saying, they're groomed by Lansing. And they he brought them to all these kinds of events. One that was very notable is the Paris peace negotiations. Okay. Now this put together, or I should say this was put together by Cecil Rhodes, the round table group that he had. And I mentioned that in my first episode, this was like, you know, uh, Cecil Rhodes was kind of known for this round table group, really perpetuating globalism. There's JP Morgan cronies along with like the Warburgs. And more importantly, dude, the Woodrow Wilson camp was there too. And this is where they kind of got like, all of these people really kind of connected and meeting. And there was a much better connected state department head of Wilson's and really a policymaker by the name E.M. House, along with other elite bloodline members. Okay. So you've got Rockefellers, you've got Rothschilds, but this guy that's very connected with all these people, E.M. House, 
is kind of isolating Woodrow Wilson, keeping him out of the loop, while at the same time kind of encouraging him to kind of fulfill what he wanted, he being EM House. And what's kind of interesting where this meeting went down, it was in the Freemasonic Lodge of France. Okay, so of course, you've got your Freemasonic ties there. Now, How many countries were there? You know, I don't know off the top 32. of my head. Really? They didn't get to the 33rd level, but they got to the 32nd level, right? There's there's always something oh, in numbers. Sure. It's hilarious. Where did you find that, dude? Uh, Wikipedia. Wow. 32 countries. So I wonder if like the 33rd would have been some sort of entity that wasn't really a country, but it was some sort of group. Like the Ottomans, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good one. Or like the monarchy, maybe, you know, something like that, because they they obviously identify as like separate from the British Empire. But I mean, it's just kind of interesting because these are all those kind of events that helped Dulles become the first director of the CIA because he was present. He was present at this meeting where, you know, this is a globalist meeting here. Um, And it was at this event that in order to push forward with that League of Nations that was started under Woodrow Wilson, supposedly um, Wilson was given a bribe of a million dollars in gold and gems okay and he had a mental breakdown like later in his presidency this is when like he had a stroke um, but he was stressing so much that he had a stroke because he wasn't able to fulfill his obligations and he received like i said a million dollars worth of of gold and of all kinds of things you know rare minerals and things like that and uh house was that driving force behind this stuff dude em house so um as much as it pains me to see someone go through a stroke, Woodrow Wilson was a scumbag. I don't feel bad for him, just like I don't feel bad for Biden with his mental problems. Um, my grandma had a stroke, dude. It's a very, very sad thing. But uh, someone like this, dude, it's just like he got what he deserved, man. It's, it's yeah. Woodrow dirty. Wilson is the worst of the worst, man. He's he's one of those that's the bottom of the barrel. You can't you can't deal it's with him. It's all good, dude. We got we got all kinds of stuff going on here. I got dogs barking and all kinds of stuff. But, dude, you know, the you're a very good student of history. Was everything that I'm saying so far pretty accurate? Because I'm going literally off one source here as far as Woodrow Wilson goes. And um, I'm not the best student of history. No, no, no. As far as I know, there's some folks, you, you know, I, I've heard of House before. I'm not that familiar with him. Um, but again, these these are names that keep popping up. Um, you know, I knew him as his nickname was Colonel House. So I've, I've read about him in a few uh, different books. But again, he's tied to Woodrow Wilson. And, and they're all these players, like you said, the, the deep state, the cabal, that that dark side of things, that Rockefeller side of things that, yeah. you know, you just it's evil. It's dark. Yeah, there's something up there and they keep circling the same things around, dude. It's it's insane. But um, so anyway, Dulles gets stationed in Switzerland by his uncle in 1921, where he links up with his cousins and his cousins are the Mallet Prevost's family. OK, um, if anyone wants to look it up, it's kind of hard to, for me to pronounce for some reason. But M-A-L-L-E-T dash P-R-E-V-O-S-T-S. OK, this is the family that is the cousin uh, cousins of the Dulles family. And they held a position of the committee of 200 who ruled Switzerland, and they set up an elite spying ring with Britain and American assets. Okay, so, I mean, this is like kind of merging, you know, the two governments who fought, you know, a bitter war, and now they're kind of coming back together. That's what kind of like one of the things that makes me think the Revolutionary War was kind of just like, you know, they're going through the motions, trying to make it look like this 
American experiment is going to be a great thing. Um, but yeah, most most interesting of all the Mallet Prevos uh, were responsible for actually introducing the United States to Freemasonry. They brought the Scottish Rite Freemasonry into the United States. And this is a cousin of the Dulles family. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough, dude. The first director of the CIA who is responsible for all of this mind control shit that we're talking about here. They are connected to the Freemasons and directly responsible for bringing Freemasonry into the United States, man. And what was the country founded by, right? We are we are a Freemason haven, essentially. The founders were Freemasons. You know, the, the, a lot of the documents were Freemason-based. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it goes back to a couple groups, right? There's just a few groups. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just insane. So Dulles's connections, they get more and more weird here. Okay. Like you, you'd think that that would be uh, enough to really kind of, you know, condemn this dude and to really understand that. Yeah, he's a bad dude. And he was obviously connected with these people, but it's in the mid 1920s when he becomes the director of Schroeder bank in Berlin. Okay. Berlin, this, this bank Schroeder bank, they were managing Hitler's personal funds. Okay, the Schroeder Bank, if anyone wants to look that up, I would highly recommend it. But this is the Dulles family running this, too. Okay, now, if you think that's a coincidence, I don't know what to tell you, man. This a little side note here for you. Mussolini was paid by British Intel as well. Okay, there's all these people are just being funded by their enemies, the enemies being the West here. And, you know, Italy becomes part of the West eventually. Jump in any time, Matt. I'm just rambling here, but the this may not actually be news to many people um, in this audience, but the uh, Hitler's rise was 100% because of American and British connections. I will tell you that right now. He was given more money and made more connections like this with Ernest Hofstegel. Am I pronouncing that right? Have you heard that name? Yes, Hofstegel. Yeah, dude, he played a major role in the conspiracy of the Reichstag deal. You know what I mean? Like, right, the Reichstag was like, for those that don't know, that was kind of, I think, what the January 6th incident was modeled after. They were trying to really, like, pound home that whole false flag. Would you agree with that, or is that something different, you think? No, I, I think you're spot on right there, without a doubt. It's a weird deal, dude. Like, too many similarities when this, you know, rogue uh, government agency or rogue uh, administration comes in uh, right after a, a crazy event like this. This is what kind of sealed the deal for Hitler's power where he goes from being chancellor to the Fuhrer, which is like the Supreme leader, as I mentioned with Ron uh, last episode here. Um, Just a weird deal, dude. Too many coincidences for you to really kind of push aside. Um, But yeah, so this guy comes out of this whole deal. Um, Hofstagel fell out of Hitler's good graces eventually. Um, But where does he go, right? He goes to become an American psychological warfare advisor. What the hell? I mean, he goes from being a Nazi, essentially, to part of basically the cia we're saying here and he's not the only one though you know and and as we go deeper into this story that's going to be a common theme what do they do with the nazis right the the war is over in europe what do you do with these people do you charge them or do you bring them in and use them for your own good and 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 against the red scare that's the key Right. That's the fear they put into everybody was that, oh, if this gets in the hands of the Russians, you know, so, yeah, this is going to be a common theme you're going to see going forward. Dude, it's crazy to me, man. I'll bring up paperclips sometimes to people and they have never heard of it. That should be something that is taught in school. It absolutely or Mockingbird. Should. Mockingbird's another yeah. one. If you it, those two, 
and and people are like, oh, you just made. And, and if you go to Wikipedia, they're like, oh, conspiracy theories. Well, they're not. Paperclip has been proven. There's and actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm reading this book right here from Annie Jacobson, Operation Paperclip. Um, Dope. And 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 it's funny, you know that. I've been listening to Mark Steves too much, but the synchronicity here was amazing. <laughs> you hit me up with IG Farben and I was just finishing up them starting to arrest IG Farben and all those people in, in paperclip. But yeah, that's those, these things are, are planned, right there. Yeah. And there's a purpose behind them and it's not necessarily a good one. There are nefarious actors out there. There is dark intentions or, on the other side of it is, you know, they're doing it for what they think is a good reason, but then it spins on them and ends up being used for darkness. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. And that's like, it, like we say over and over again, it's a model that they follow and they keep just tweaking it. Same as the Jesuits, all of these elite societies, they are persistent and they continue doing the same thing and they just tweak the plan a little bit or they slow it down. Um, I believe that, you know, the whole Nazi takeover was just simply it was just rushed. You know, they could have succeeded if they just would have gone a little slower. And I think that's what we're seeing today, dude. That's what we're seeing in the United States, especially, but obviously around the world. And I, I mentioned the United States so much, not just because, you know, we live here, but because, I mean, the United States really is kind of the leader in freedom, in my opinion. And I think that it's backed by facts, too. But Yeah, because when you look at it, you know, you go back and and if Germany had just fought, you know, and conquered lands, it there wouldn't have been the backlash but why did they have to go to that next level right and that's always been something i've been so fascinated by is why did they have to go the you know the extermination route or the you know testing on humans route they you know they didn't need to do that but they had that purpose to to be greater than man right they wanted to be gods they wanted to to be immortal Mm -hmm. And, and it just, it got so dark and twisted because a lot, I mean, you look at some of their engineering, it's, it's the best in the world, you know, and they could have, they could have won the war and done things without having to take it to that next level. And it's like, why did they have to take it to that next level? It wasn't needed. And it doesn't make a lot of sense when you look back at it. That's why I love the Hitler is a Rothschild uh, theory so much. I think like, if you really look into it, to me, it's proven. I believe it a hundred percent. Because why, why wouldn't he just win? You know, like you said to yourself, he could have absolutely won. They did go over the top, and I'm going to get into that right now, actually. But they went over the top, but they could have freaking won, dude. I think he was following a script. I think he was definitely under some hypnosis because of who his father was, Alois, um, who was, you know, a, a Rothschild himself, obviously. Um, what, do you give that theory much credence or do you think that that's kind of one of those farther out there ones? I don't know. I, I haven't, I'm not bought and sold on it. I, okay. I think it has credible evidence. I just think it's too convenient. Yeah. But then again, when it is that convenient, it, it, you know, it's usually probably true. Yeah. Um, when it's almost too obvious, it's like, well, yeah, duh, it and, is, yeah. And it caught steam, you know, a couple of years ago uh, through the movement. Uh, which would remain nameless and uh, and and it really got out of control and it started tying everybody to the to that family to the Rothschilds and I was like oh, okay and and it leads to a great story and I think there there is some credible you know evidence to it I'm just not a hundred percent certain I haven't seen that exact connection that I need you know yeah um, 
but you know, that's with a lot of things. I, I believe a lot of things that I, I haven't, or, you know, seen, but it's just one of those inclinations that you get. Now, the interesting thing with Hitler though, about the war is he said at the end of the war, you know, the gods of war have turned on me and that's what cost him the war. Well, the gods of war were the banks, right? Sure. So if you don't have your funding, then, you know, you're done. So at some point the banks turned and said, okay, enough's enough. We're going to, we're going to cut you off and, you know, you're going to deal with what you got. And that's when, you know, they, they pulled the plug on them and the Americans, Brits, French, and Russians rolled in. That's a good point, dude. I forgot completely about that quote where he says that, where he says the gods of war had turned on me. And obviously it is the Rothschilds. The Rothschilds ran the banking system. Uh, they yep. still do today. And they you're, funded you're, both you're, sides of the war. Yeah. So were the Rockefellers too. You know what I mean? The Bushes were on both sides of the war. Um, the Bushes are essentially Rockefellers as well, but I mean, good point, dude. Really good point right there. Um, so like, you know, what I wanted to get into here was the, the that idea that I mentioned earlier where Hitler was potentially, uh, you know, mind controlled into doing this whole thing because all these people were backing Hitler before the, the period that we were just talking about here, before he's losing the war, before the, even, even the war was started, when World War One is ending and so, like I mentioned, he got gassed in the trenches. He suffers from hysterical blindness. And his doctor that sent in, Dr. Edmund Forrester, looked this guy up. He is absolutely the world's authority at the time in hypnosis. Um, he's not the one that wrote the book that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode here. But he is uh, a serious, serious hitter when it comes to hypnosis. And the theory here is that he turned into the first ever psychopathy. This is a new term for a lot of people, I'm sure. But yeah, it's a psychopathy, someone that is a psychotic patsy that just carries on monstrosities that uh, really will be kind of a, a learning tool for the elites. Um, so with Dulles, right? I want to get back to Dulles here. These Dulles brothers, they're showing their ruthlessness, their ruthlessness. Um, and then they're, uh, you know, just promising pro political prowess that they that they are able to really kind of follow the leader. They're willing to fall in line and carry out these agendas. John Foster Dulles, the brother of the first CIA director, okay, he gets linked up with IG Farben through a law firm called Sullivan and Cromwell. And I'm sure you've heard of this, Matt, because, you know, you seem to always know this stuff, dude. You seem to be like a step ahead of me when it comes to this kind of stuff. But uh, Sullivan and Cromwell was connected with other major German cartels, but none more significant than IG Farben, okay? They created that Zyklon B uh, they were the manufacturer of that gas that that was German big pharma back then, dude. I want you to kind of break down this IG Farben stuff because um, not, I I thought the most interesting thing there was Moderna, that Moderna connection. But you sent me something. Head on over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast for official Operation Paperclip American draftees and official communications about fluoride in the water for the purpose of mind control. Thank you for your support and stay safe out there.